Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. Hi, Angelo, lead pastor, head coach here at Rock Church. Building a high caliber team like we have here at Rock Church hasn't been an easy task. We got to strategize often. We got to make plays. We got to make things happen. We got to huddle up. We got to circle up if we want to reach this generation for Christ. What I'd like to do is introduce you to some of the teammates here at Rock Church. Who are you and what do you do here at Rock Church? We're the next gen pastors here at the church. I'm Pastor Peyton. I mainly, or I do a lot, but I mainly oversee Rock students. I'm Carly. I oversee Rock Kids, which is birth to fifth grade. And listen, we understand it's a high calling to serve on this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much that we do, especially raising up students of this generation. Yeah, is and a big... kids, kids too. Oh, right, right, yeah. yeah. They're still yeah. learning the role, you yeah. know, next gen. But, I mean, come on, for crying out loud, it's in our mission statement. Mm-hmm. Reaching, raising, releasing, reproducing, Generations, generations for Christ. I mean, that, that consists of like a lot of people, like yeah. 12-year-olds, um, mm-hmm. 13-year-olds, high, high schoolers. And, and like babies and toddlers and preschool listen, and preteens. Why do you keep interrupting me? I just don't understand. Well, that you just keep cutting both. me off. It's for the, next gen. It remember? just doesn't, I, I know, but I'm talking uh, and you, we've talked about. Can we just take a second and right, can we go talk? Right really now? Quick? We're going to do this yes. right now? Yes. Okay, okay, Let's bye. go talk. Who are you, and what do you do here at Rock Church? I'm Reverend Stephen Michael Miramonti, M-A-T-S, and over all the other things I do, my primary responsibility is discipleship here at Rock Church. I'd be happy to pontificate on your inquiry, Pastor Angelo. You see, the salient realization to assert why discipleship is the premier Ministry at this ecclesiastical establishment we know as Rock Church is because of the aptitude to make the Bible uncomplicated and comprehensible to the average person. Another justification uh, to make the declaration that the discipleship ministry here is the foremost ministry at Rock Church is the superlative atmosphere of community and challenge that we alone can provide. And that atmosphere helps us to exhort followers of Jesus to daily exemplify the character and the ways of God. And if discipleship were absent here from Rock Church uh, and its ecclesiastical hierarchy, then who else would do those things? Oh, well, basically I'm just saying we're the best place to grow disciples of Jesus. Who are you and what do you do here at Rock Church? Hey guys, I'm Pastor Delane and I'm over the connections and hospitality teams here at Rock Church. These are the teams that you want to serve on, guys. Why? Because we are the most important teams here. I mean, think about it. We've got all these new guests coming to our church. Where else are you going to find the opportunity to be able to 
welcome them, hold the doors open, um, show them around the church to be able to connect with them. And what about your coffee? Like, where else are you going to get your coffee at? And where are you going to get your Rock Church theme merch? Like, if there's no one there to check you out at the Rock Shop, I mean, come on. It's all about everybody walking in the door and feeling welcomed and that they belong here at Rock Church. So as you can see, it's a never-ending battle to try to get this team to realize that they're a part of a team bigger than their team, a team called Rock Church. As you can see, uh, that's pretty much what I have to work with. Most of you were laughing at uh, Pastor Steve's uh, verbiage, but uh, that wasn't acting. <laughs> That's an everyday conversation with, with Pastor Steve. Well, welcome to the best team wins. I said, welcome to the best team wins. It's pretty obvious that today is Super Bowl Sunday. Come on, without... Looking around, who is picking the Kansas City Chiefs to win? All right. Who is picking the Philadelphia Eagles to win? And who just found out who's in the game? Yep, yep, yep. We can tell you're not in football gear. All right. She likes the commercials. All right. In the halftime show, well, close your eyes during the halftime show. Okay. All right, so here's a better question than who's going to win the game. Uh, what are you eating at your Super Bowl party? I mean, that's a, that's a better question. Somebody bark out what you're eating at your Super Bowl party. Ribs? Brisket. All right. What else? Doug, what you eating? Everything. All right. My real question is, why didn't you invite your pastor? No, really. No. This is getting out of hand. We can take you out of here. All right. All right. Unless something crazy happens in tonight's Super Bowl... The best team wins, or at least the team that plays the best is going to win. Now, I know some of you are tired of society, you're tired of culture, because we have this obsession with winning. I know some of you struggle with this obsession that our culture has with winning, and that is why I'm wearing my Lions team jersey. It's called reverse psychology, all right? I'm hoping that wearing this in a winning service will reverse the curse. Come on. All right, I got a pretty aggressive statement I want to say at the beginning. and I don't know how many of this is for. Uh, maybe it's just for some who struggle understanding God's character. But we need to stop. We need to really quit turning God into a loser. Right? And into a God who is okay with losing. 
You say, that ain't for me. Well, I think we have a tendency to underemphasize God's winning spirit. You may not call him a, a loser, but you underemphasize his winning ways. And I want to address that a little bit before we get going into the part of the message. Um, all throughout Scripture, God is into winning, right? He's into victories. He's into triumph. He's into conquering. He's into overcoming. He's into prevailing. And I want to just share a few verses of Scripture uh, that use these words that have to do with winning, some winning lingo. Uh, Psalms 108, 13. With God, we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. Come on now. The key is with God. Some of you are trying to trample down your enemies without God. How many know that ain't going to work, right? Philippians 3.14. I love it. Paul, I press on towards the goal to loot, to win the prize. Right? Isn't that incredible? Again, Paul, Romans 8.37. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. I mean, I don't even know how to define more than conquerors. I just want to be a conqueror. But the scripture says we are more than conquerors through Christ, right? Uh, Colossians 2.15, some great theology here. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Right? That is powerful. I mean, so many times we look at the cross as like defeat. It's really not. It's triumph. Because the creator of the world pays for our sins. Are you kidding? What a victory that is. You want to hear a verse on victory, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Again, the Apostle Paul. But thanks be to God, he gives us, what, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it sounds to me like, like God is building a winning team. And let me say this. Rock Church will never apologize for wanting to be a winning team. We're not going to apologize for that. We're not going to be arrogant about it but we're not going to apologize for wanting to be a winning team. Remember, part of our three-circle strategy includes teams, right? Sundays, invite and attend. Hopefully you're getting inspired and or stretched by the word, right? Life groups have a lot to do with experiencing community as well as challenge. And life teams have a ton to do with serving Jesus and serving others, all right? So what we're going to do now is we're going to, we're going to get into some, some ways to build winning teams. We're going to circle up a little bit, right? And we're going to address some strategies to help us build a winning team. And the reason why is because the best team wins. The best team wins. So number one is uh, recruit teammates. Recruit teammates. The greatest misconception in church history, okay, that's an exaggeration, but, 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 but a massive misconception in recruiting people to serve on a ministry team is announcements. That is a massive misconception. Announcement pleas tend to mobilize people through emotion and guilt. And there are times, there are times where emotional pleas are necessary. But in general, it's a poor strategy to build the best teams. In general, it's, it's not a very good strategy to build a team that has momentum and high morale. I'll give you a little example. 
Years ago, uh, my pastor told me to make an announcement that we need a brand new girls softball coach. And I looked him right in the eye. I said, please don't make me do that. He's like, what do you mean don't do that? We need a, we need a coach. I said, please do not let me do that. Why? Why won't you do that? I said, I'll do it if you want, but I'm just telling you it's not a good strategy. Please don't make me do that. He said, why? I said, I'm telling you what's going to happen. You're going to get some guy who knows nothing about softball and is a pervert. Pretty much what I said, right? So praise the Lord, he listened to me, and we did some recruiting, and we found the new softball coach. This is a horrible transition, but I'm going to brag about Tim McMahon for a second. Okay. Oh. What's that? We won that season. They did win the championship that season. Praise the Lord. My wife threw that in. All right. She was the second baseman. All right. Tim McMahon is, is our rock athletic director. And when we were searching, we were recruiting for someone to lead our sports ministry. We thought we needed, we thought we needed a Michigan man. We thought we needed a Michigan fan. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, we thought we needed someone with three basic skills, three basic passions. The person needs to be organized. The person needs to know about sports, and you ready for this? The person needs to love Jesus, right? Now, how many know that's a tough combination? I mean, think about that. Be organized, know about sports, and love Jesus. Not necessarily in that order, right? But the person needed all three of those skills. Because I've been in this thing a long time. I've got people coming up to me and, you know, throughout the years and, Pastor, I, I want to run the sports program. Do you know anything about sports? No. But I love Jesus. Have you thought about the worship team? Have you thought maybe about the prayer team? You're going to fit right in there, right? But if you don't know something about sports, I mean, no, you're probably not called to be the sports director at any church. Somebody say amen. Now, some of you agree with that. Listen, the best way to recruit and build a great college team is to pay them. <laughs> the best way to recruit and build a great college team is to have former players and present players to be part of the recruiting process. I'm telling you, the colleges that do that kill it, right? It's a lot better to have some 21-year-old in the living room with you trying to recruit the 17, 18-year-old than some 51-year-old. You know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you how it generally works. Smart colleges use this type of a strategy. And when it comes to church teams recruiting, the best way to build the best team, a winning team, are people who are presently and passionately serving on the team. That's the best way. There are other strategies, but I'm telling you, the best way to see church teams explode are the people that are presently and passionately serving. Now listen to Luke 14, 23. It says, then the master told his servants, go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. Now, Jesus was always sending out his original 12. 
This is just one verse. There's so many times where Jesus is sending out his 12 to recruit more souls, to recruit more soldiers, and to recruit more servants. And oh, by the way, I think Jesus did a really good job because his team is multiplying and multiplying and multiplying for 2,000 years. And how is his team multiplying? How is, how is he recruiting? He's using those that are serving to be his recruiters. He's using present soldiers to get more soldiers. I'm telling you guys, this is the best strategy ever for building winning teams. Your personal excitement and invitation to serve on a team has always been and will always be the best way to build a winning team. Your personal excitement and your invitation. I'm telling you right now, for those of you that are serving, enjoying it, and, and, and getting uh, some fulfillment out of it, and, and, and you're part of a team that's winning, I'm telling you, if you want to see your team grow, just get more excited and invite others. It is the best way. You can't beat this way. Christ's way of recruiting servants, followers, leaders must get in our DNA. I mean this. This is really important. Because the misconception is, pastors, you do all the recruiting, right? Make an incredible announcement, and we'll build our team. And I'm telling you guys that you are the best advertising market, marketer for your team. Really are. I recruit. I don't mean this in an arrogant way, like I, right? But I recruit. I invite, right? I, I inspire people. I believe in people, right? I help build the team up. Why? Because that was Christ's strategy. And if it worked for Jesus, how many know it can work in the church today? We got to get that in our DNA. We have to get in our DNA that, that I recruit others to be on the team. Amen? Number two is release teammates. We talked about recruit teammates. Now we're going to talk about release teammates. Now we're not talking about kicking people off the team like, we release you, be gone. All right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about releasing people to serve they are called and given. Who remembers what Moses said to Pharaoh when the Israelites were in bondage? Right? Let my people go, Exodus 8, 38, 1, right? Let my people go that they may what? Serve me. Some translations say worship me, right? Again, let my people go that they may serve me. So what's going on here? The Israelites are in bondage. They're in captivity, oh, for 400 years, by the way. They're in bondage. God had called them to be a blessing to all nations, to reach all nations. How many know when you're in bondage for 400 years, it's pretty tough to reach all nations? How are you going to be a blessing to all nations? So God sends a deliverer, his name is Moses, and he comes in and he says, let my people go so that they may serve me, right? Because, because, because I, I, I need them free from the slavery so that they can serve me. I mean, understand, it wasn't just let my people go so they can enjoy freedom. It was let my people go so that they can serve me. I got a, I got a world to win, and I'm calling the Jews to be my voice to the rest of the world, and I can't get them to reach the rest of the world because they're in slavery. And I use that analogy because I think there's a lot of Christians today in our churches that are kind of caught up in some bondage, right? You're kind of caught up in some slavery and here at Rock Church, I want you to know that our, our philosophy of ministry is let my people go. Well, why? So that they may serve me, right? We just want to free you guys up. Because some of you, I think you're in some spiritual bondage just a little bit where you think that 
you know, you know, I don't man up or I don't measure up. Well, you're never going to man up and you're never going to measure up, but you are still called to serve. And we want to free you up to get on a team and get rid of some of that misconception and that bondage that only clergy do ministry. Here at Rock Church, all of us are called to serve. Someone say amen. Isn't that true? Today, God's team, the church, is called to reach cities, regions, and nations. And we must get out of our spiritual slavery and serve God and others. Okay. Now, how many of you have ever heard of an armchair quarterback? An armchair quarterback is someone who sits in their lazy boy, calling plays, criticizing and critiquing plays and players. I want you to know that you are looking at an armchair quarterback. (laughs) I'm as bad as they get. Um, This is what I often say. Put that on the screen, that next slide. How does a former plumber and present pastor know what play to run or not to run more than this coach who makes four million bucks a year? I, I, I say that like four times in a game. You know what I'm saying? One per quarter. You know what I'm saying? At least I'm manning up a little bit here. I want you to know I'm going to do this a lot today watching the Super Bowl. Hence, that's why I didn't get any invitations. All right. By the way, being an armchair quarterback is not very productive. And Kimmy is often saying to me, they can't hear you. And I look her right in the eye, yes, they can. If they can't hear me, that means I need to scream a little louder. Someone say amen. Okay. Spiritually, we're on a church team in the kingdom of God. We, who? We, we really do not need any more armchair quarterbacks. Church doesn't need any more armchair leaders, armchair directors, armchair pastors, armchair Christians. We need you on the team and on the team. Need you in the game and on the team. Now it's written big, so I could have said it more aggressively. I'm going to say it with love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. God's team needs servants, not superstars. God's team needs servants, not those who think they're super spiritual. We need servants. So we release you. Right? To serve on a team to help make us a winning team. And to help us to build a winning culture. We hear that a lot in the business world, the office, a winning culture. You hear it a lot in the sports world. I'm leaving this losing culture to become part of a winning culture. And this concept has really oozed its way into our churches. And I think for the most part, it's probably a healthy Healthy concept. We want winning cultures. But here's the key to a winning culture. It's everybody on the team's responsibility. It's everybody. 
if you have a, if you have a healthy team culture, a winning team culture, okay, it takes everybody to have that kind of an attitude and that kind of a spirit. I'm telling you. It's not just the coach's job, although a lot of it falls on my shoulders. I get it. But it's everybody. If there's one thing I've learned about building healthy team culture, it's everyone's role and responsibility. And everybody said, all right, I'm feeling better about this. I'm feeling much better about this. Number three, rally teammates. So football teams rally, they circle up, right? In the locker room, they get pep talks, right? Strategy plans, a little stretching, a little taping. In huddles, to get the next play. That's pretty much why they huddle up. Some of you think they're just taking a break. No, <laughs> they're in a huddle because they're given the next play. Are we going to run the ball? Are we going to pass the ball? What are we going to do here? Uh, I have a pretty cool video I want to show you from the Kansas City Chiefs. Very unique huddle. Look at this. <laughs> I've never seen that before in my life. A little carousel, kick it to Patrick. Pat Is that pretty crazy or what? I want you to, that was a little league. Okay, that was the pros. That was the NFL, having a little fun, circling up and getting into a huddle. So our Rock Church life teams have quarterly rallies, quarterly huddles, right? We have circle up times. And these huddles, these locker room pep talks are geared to get strategic plans, to get our teams fired up, and to celebrate wins. Really important that we do these things because it's important to know what the strategy is for that team. It's important to, to, to get fired up, and it's important to celebrate some wins. I think if there's a, a missing ingredient in a lot of churches is they don't celebrate victories that they've had. That's why we, we changed our annual business meeting into calling it Celebrate because we're going to celebrate what Jesus did the previous year. Amen? And we rally so that we can sharpen up our gifts. Listen to 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to what? Serve others. You don't hoard them, right? You don't hold on to them kind of a thing. You're freed up. You're not in bondage, Right? Each of you should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So at Rock Church, you got your phone, take a picture of this next slide. It's a buffet of some of our teams. I don't think every team is on there, but, but I would encourage you to take a picture of that because you, you'll have a little bit of understanding of some of the teams that are available to you. You can also go out in the commons after service, and there's a big giant banner that says life teams, and there will be people there that can hook you up and get you involved. Number four, this is where I want to spend the most time. Number four is reproduce teammates. So whether we know it or believe it, we reproduce who we are. There's an incredible phrase I heard years ago, and I probably share it five, six times a year, and it's spirits reproduce spirits. Again, we reproduce who we are and what we are. This is kind of how that phrase works. Armchair quarterbacks reproduce. Armchair quarterbacks, you guys are sharp. Monday morning quarterbacks reproduce. Monday morning quarterbacks. 
Godly servants reproduce. Godly leaders reproduce. Godly followers reproduce. That's just kind of how it works. The opposite is also true. Ungodly servants, leaders, and followers reproduce. Ungodly servants, leaders, and followers. Did you hear that? Like, shut your phone off, sister Christian. She's trying to shut her phone off. How many know she's north of 50 years old? If you're trying to shut your phone off, in the church service. Praise the Lord, all right? Now, if that happens to you, we're not going to embarrass you because we love you and value you. But if you're in the front row, you're getting it, all right? <laughs> Again, ungodly servants, ungodly leaders and followers reproduce ungodly leaders, servants and followers. It's really important, guys, because you're going to reproduce who you are. Especially in the area of serving, right? If you're a servant, I'm going to tell you right now what you're going to do. You are going to reproduce people with a servant spirit. If you're a superstar, that's what you're going to reproduce. Someone with a superstar spirit. Listen, purposeful, powerful, and healthy life teams and life groups, they reproduce purposeful, powerful, and healthy life teams and life groups. This is, this is huge. You can't miss this concept. If the life team and or the life group you are on is purposeful, if it's powerful, and if it's healthy, it's going to reproduce the same thing, right? It's kind of how it works. Sadly, the opposite is also true, right? Faithful, fun, and passionate teammates reproduce faithful, fun, and what? Passionate teammates. How many know it's okay to have fun on the team, right? And be faithful and to be passionate about what you do. I'm telling you, if you're passionate about what you do, whether it's serving here at Rock Church or wherever you serve, you're going to reproduce others who are passionate because spirits reproduce spirits. Winning life teams and winning life groups, they reproduce. They multiply winning life teams and winning life groups. Isn't that huge? I'm telling you right now, if your team is winning, it's going to reproduce more teammates and another team that wins just like they do. Amen? Your life group. I'm going to tell you right now, one of the ways that you can tell that your life group is healthy is it reproduces another life group. I mean, isn't that what happened in the book of Acts? For those of you that would want to fight me on this, you're saved because some life group or some church reproduced itself enough to get to your heart. Amen? You know, someone reproduced somebody that got to you because the last time I checked, you're not 2,000 years old, right? It's really important that we understand this. Churches that are healthy, man, they are into this concept of reproducing and multiplying. Here's some questions. You ready for some gut-wrenching questions? How many are ready for some gut-wrenching questions? You're getting them anyway. Are you reproducing a teammate that has to serve or what? Or gets to serve or wants to serve? I'm just, that sounds really 
basic. I'm telling you, it's huge. I don't care what team you're on. You fill in the blank. If your teammates can tell, I still want you to be special. I want you to know that the rest of your team can tell that you have to usher today. But if your attitude is, I get to usher today. Get out of my way. I'm going to find a seat for that family. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a totally different spirit. Totally different spirit. Are you reproducing a teammate that, that gives a half-hearted effort or their best effort as unto the Lord? Just challenge them just a little bit. Are you reproducing a teammate that is a fault finder or a faithful teammate? Because if you're like if you're on the team and, and you're like ripping on whoever's running the cafe that day or you know, ripping on whoever's doing the welcome center or, or taking shots at whoever, if you're just fault finding, guess what you're going to reproduce? More fault finders. But if you're faithfully serving and you have a heart that just just loves Jesus and loves people, I'm going to tell you what you'll reproduce. You will reproduce faithful servants. It's just kind of how it works because spirits what? Spirits reproduce spirits. Are you reproducing a teammate that, that is helping to build an unhealthy or a healthy culture? You really can't do both. Really tough to do both. You know what I'm saying? You can try it. How's that working for you? All right? It just, I'm just saying. So if you're on a team, and this may sound a little harsh, but I'm just trying to wake you up a little bit. If you're on a team, you are either helping to build a healthy, godly, get out of my way, I'm serving Jesus culture, or an ungodly, I wish I wasn't on the team today kind of a culture. And people can tell that. So it's, it's important that you carry yourself as someone who gets to serve, not, 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 not has to serve. Amen? It's really, because that's the kind of culture you're going to build. You can point your finger at all that. They're just not committed. Well, they're just following your example. You know, it's really important. This last one is huge. Are you reproducing a teammate that is a Monday morning quarterback or is in prayer Monday morning for the next Sunday game? That's huge. Monday morning quarterbacks, you hear it all? I can't wait to get in my Jeep and, and turn on the sports radio so I can hear all these experts rip on the lines so that I can agree with them. You know what I'm saying? And that might work for football, but in the kingdom, they ain't going to cut it. You're just going to reproduce that. Let me get a little transparent. Spiritually speaking, I can't be a Monday morning or an armchair quarterback. I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. I can't sit on the bench or be a spiritual game commentary or analyst. I can't do it, spiritually speaking. Football-wise, I'm incredible at it. I could do my own podcast, you know what I'm saying? Just sit down and just, I, I can analyze a game. I can, I mean, I've been, I've been watching sports, since, baseball since 1972, and football since 1973. I know the Lions. And I know the Tigers, and I can give you incredible commentary. I'm fine with that from a sports perspective. Spiritually speaking, I just can't do it. I can't do that. I cannot do that. Why can't you do that? Because if life is a football game, 
I'm in the third quarter. If life is a football game, I'm not just in the third quarter. I'm late in the third quarter. I'm here getting an understanding of this. Okay, you, you think you're going to be uh, like, I'm not going to talk to you? What quarter you're in? Let's just, let's just say 0 to 20 is life's first quarter. And, and 20 to 40 is life's second quarter. Isn't that incredible? Remember those days? Those were the days. Okay, you know, if, if 40 to 60 is life's third quarter, and 60 plus is life's fourth quarter. We're going to leave that up until Jesus returns. All right? Now, I just want to, before we get into some breaking some of these quarters down, um, none of us are guaranteed life's next quarter. Listen, when I, when I was in my first quarter, I thought I was invincible. You know what I'm saying? Right? Until someone tackled me and drove this shoulder into some, some uh, pavement, and I couldn't move it for like two years. You know what I'm saying? So, so none of us are guaranteed life next quarter, and none of us are guaranteed overtime. I just want to make sure, because some of you are like, I'm going to get some OT with Jesus. Maybe, maybe not. Now, if your analogy is, is you know, eternal life is overtime, okay, you got me, all right? All right, let's, let's talk about those in the first quarter. Those in the first quarter of life. Don't wait for the third or fourth quarter to get in the game or on the team. Start serving now. You make us a better team, win now. Help our team win, win now. We need those in the first quarter to help us win now. What good is winning tomorrow? We might not have tomorrow, right? We need you to help us win now. Many of us in the second, third, and fourth quarter would love to replay our first quarter. I would. I'm not saying that I didn't have fun because sin is fun for a season. But I would love to be able to replay my first quarter. I can't replay my first quarter. And I want you to know, for those of you that are in your first quarter, those that are in their second, third, and fourth quarter would love to be able to replay or redo their first quarter. Many, this is huge, many impactful local churches have first quarter people serving in AV, serving in the cafe, serving kids, serving when it comes to worship. And yes, I know this is going to blow serving at the front desk, leading, you know? I didn't say exclusively, but it's kind of cool when you come in and some 15-year-old gives you a high five, you know what I'm saying? Why, and I don't, listen, please don't take this wrong, but every greeter doesn't have to be in the fourth quarter, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they open the front door, they're going to get an impression of what your church is like. If they see you popping Motrin 800s at the front door, now, if, they, if you're a greeter and you're in that, you say, well, you just offended me. We're doing a course starting March 8th called Unoffendable. I'll, I'll see you there, all right? And oh, by the way, I'm late in the third quarter, all right? I'm talking to myself. You don't want to see me at the front door? All right. For those of you in the second quarter of life, 
picture with working and raising your family is a tough time to serve on a team. It's a tough time to serve on a team. It really is. You have to be more strategic and more selective with your serving schedule, with your serving time, no doubt about it. But don't just be a fan in the crowd, get in the game. And don't just sit on the bench, get in the battle, right? And you say, well, why? Because your team needs you right now. And God has graced you with gifts and a purpose to serve when? Right now. Amen? All right. For those of you in the third quarter of life, that was really good. Try that again. Let me know if football games have a halftime break. We usually shut our TVs off during halftime. And I go thirds. Not seconds. Eat first at 4 o'clock. 6 o'clock, second. Halftime, thirds. Right? Well, football games have a halftime break, but the Christian life really doesn't. Other seasons of rest, but not a quarter. You don't get to rest a whole quarter. I mean, some of us, that's what we do. You know, we just rest a whole quarter. You know, listen, there are seasons, there are times where you need a sabbatical. You just need some, you need a breather, you need to rest. We're all for that, but not a quarter. Not a 20 year break from serving Jesus and his kingdom. You know, by the way, if you're, if you're, I just want you to know if you're in that, you know, you're in that third quarter. But for the most part, you got two more quarters to serve Jesus. You know, I'm just telling you. For those in the fourth quarter, like I wish I had two quarters. Oh my God, I'm like, I got the. I'm in the two minute drill. You know, what I mean? yeah. but I mean, I mean, think about it. You got you got almost two more quarters. You got almost half your life to serve Jesus. That's just incredible. And you get to you get to do whatever you want with your life. It's free will, right? I, I say spend some of that time serving Jesus, amen, and serving one another. I'm doing my best here. Help me out a little bit. For those of you in the fourth quarter of life, oh, we picked on you a little bit. Yeah, wake up. For those of you in the fourth quarter of life. Stay with me. I'm in big trouble. When I started the church, it was like, you know, you, you know, you always like, say it, uh, like, you're challenging the older generation to not lose the younger generation. We got to be open to creative things and, and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you're there. You know, it kind of changes the way you say things, isn't it? All right, I fleshed out. This is really important, this next statement. Fourth quarter of life, right? Most football games are lost or won in the fourth quarter. Isn't that true? What do I say before during the football season? You, know, you can come to the altar and serve Jesus, or you can go home and watch the Lions blow it in the 
prophetic or pathetic, one of the two. Most football games are lost or won in the fourth quarter. I could preach on that all day. Don't retire. Get the rest you need. Take your naps. Just remember, it's time to reproduce some servants. Reproduce some followers. Reproduce some leaders. Reproduce some disciples. I'm telling you, I am watching, not you guys, I am watching many fourth quarter Christians just checking out. And I could give you 600 reasons why they're checking out. And they'll justify all of them, but none of them are biblical. You are in the prime years of discipleship. You see Nancy Carroll checking out? If it was a football game, she'd be a middle linebacker. And she don't even know what that means. But it's generally the meanest guy on the, on the defense. She will tear your head off to make it to heaven. I'm I just, I, what a myth. What a misconception. I am, listen, I have, I hope someday, where's my wife? She left me, okay. I hope someday that, you know, to some degree that we can retire in some warm climate. That, wouldn't that be great? But I'm not going to retire from Jesus. And I can tell you one thing I'm not doing. This may sound really horrible, but I'm not going to retire and go to some church where 84 people are all 84 years old. You know what I'm saying? When I retire, I'm going to go and look around and find a church that has some young blood in there because I'm on a mission for God to make disciples. You know what I'm saying? I got to reproduce myself. And the only way to outlive yourself is to reproduce yourself. You know? It's just huge. Guys are going to be done. Those of you that are in the first, second, or third quarter of life, be sure to get one or two seasoned Christians who are in the fourth quarter into your life, in your inner circle. Come on now. In your circle of influence. Where's Jeff Yunjin? Saw him yesterday just eating chicken wings like they were doing You know, and he's just like talking about his dad because his dad will come to the games and his dad will sit in his lap and want to watch the game. And, and I said, Jeff, I love it. I said, I love that. I love that. You know, his dad's like 73 years. I, I just love to be around older Christians who are seasoned. They don't bother me one bit. Number one, they don't eat as much as me, so praise the Lord, all right? I, I, I am not turned off. I can't wait to be around people that are more seasoned than I am, that have been serving Jesus longer. I want to be around that. So if you're younger, you've got to be the aggressor, right? I mean, if you're just like sitting home on your lazy boy, ripping on a bunch of old people because they won't pour into you, my number one mentor was Charlie. He was 
30 years older than me. I was knocking on his front door three times a week saying, Wilbur Goober, let me in. I mean, I'm saying, some of you got that, some of you didn't. You just got to be the aggressor, and you're missing it. I don't need old people. I can get Stephen Furtick. I can get, you know, you know, Joyce Meyer, whatever, you know, I can, I can get Craig Rochelle and watch you. Listen, they, they don't know your life. How's Greg Rochelle gonna Greg Rochelle gonna speak into your life? He doesn't know you. You can listen to him, and I, I'm fine with that. But if you want to grow in your faith, you need some seasoned Christians speaking into your life. Oh, by the way, a seasoned Christian isn't just an old Christian, it's someone who's been through a lot of seasons and is still serving Jesus, right? All right, I got to get out of here, man. I got a game to watch. Some chicken wings to eat. Get out of my way. If you knew, closing here, if you knew, knew which team was going to win today's Super Bowl, you'd put everything you have down on the Eagles or the Chiefs. Everything. No, I wouldn't. I'm too. Oh, if you knew it, you would. You'd be dumber than a box of rocks. You have a guarantee to win. You just do. The best team wins. Right? You know what a time it is? It's time to double down on Jesus. It really is. I was, you know, I got like four claps out of doubling down on Jesus. You need to double down on the Chiefs. Woo-hoo! You need to double down on Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the best team wins. Matthew 16, 18. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail, shall not overcome, shall not get the victory against it. Christ's team, the church, keeps winning and winning and winning despite 2,000 years of wolves. There are wolves in the church in sheep's clothing, right? Despite 2,000 years of wackos and weirdos. Not you guys, that's second service. They're whacked out weird, man. But I'm telling you, I've been in this thing a long time. We're in a lot of wackos. Like, no one's home. They're like a cyclops. They got one eye. Like, where'd you go? You know? Despite 2,000 years of wolves, wackos, and weirdos, despite 2,000 years of of schemes and scandals, think about it. 2,000 years of opposition and persecution, and the church is still winning. We might lose a battle here and there, but we win the war, right? I'm going to go with Jesus. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church he is building, the team he is building. Jesus is building a winning team. And just like like your life team is a part of Rock Church's bigger team, Rock Church is part of a bigger team, right? We are a part of a global church. We are a part of Christ's kingdom. Isn't that incredible? Look at yourselves. 
Everybody just look around there. And all kinds of different team jerseys in here. And simply because of the illustration, we allowed Spartan jerseys in, right? But normally we don't. We wouldn't do that. I'm not going to let the wolves in. Talk about some sheep's clothing. Hello. Different team jerseys in here. But one team wins. Isn't that incredible? One team wins. Have a little fun with some football jerseys. Some of you are like, I can't do that. Jesus would strike me dead. He might strike you dead anyway, but it's got nothing to do with your jersey, all right? Tons of different jerseys, and one team wins. And you're like, win what? What do we win? We win marriages. I said, we have the opportunity to win some marriages that are falling apart. I could tell you some stories of some people that popped their head in here 10 years ago. They're about ready to kill each other. You know what I'm saying? Now they're madly in love all over again. Right? We win and reconcile relationships. We got some work to do. Unoffendable. Our chafe. All right? We win families. Well, what do we win? We win families. We win generations. We win heritages. The scripture talks about not just you coming to Christ but thousands of generations after you serving Christ. I'm going to go with win. You think you're just saying yes to Jesus when you you answer an altar call? You're not just saying yes to Jesus. You're saying yes to your offspring potentially finding Jesus. really are. You have a better opportunity for, for your offspring to follow Jesus if you're following Jesus. Revelation. So when you say yes to Jesus, the promise of the Father is a thousand generations after you have the potential to follow him as well. Incredible God we serve. We win kids. Here's Peyton. Better be with the kids. We win teenagers. Stop and think about that. Take your new babysitting. Statistically, and I don't really come up with this stuff. You want to win someone to Jesus, 80% become Christians before 18 years old. It's much more difficult to become a Christian after 18 because you get set in your ways. Now, I don't know who comes up with this stuff, Billy Graham, but I think he knows a little bit more about it than we do. A lot of truth to that. And they're babysitting kids. We're trying to win kids to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Teenagers, young adults, and the list goes on. Trying to win people in the first quarter, in their second quarter. Got three kids, two of them are demon-possessed. I'll try church. Ain't no greeters at the door. Cafe, coffee's cold. That's a problem, friends. I mean, Jesus could still move, but I'll tell you right now, a team that models himself as a winning team has a better chance of winning souls. I'm just being real. We win souls, we win the lost, we win disciples, we win followers, we we win leaders, we win schools, we win cities, and we win nations. Please stand. stand. That's what we win. 
Jesus is building the best team ever. Come on now, church. To lose, to win. Here's a quick question. Are you personally on Christ's team? Really? Well, I don't serve anywhere in the church. Oh, that's another question, too. What's next? Are you, are, you, are you on Christ's team? Are you in his army? Are you in his family? Right? So before we move on real quick, it wasn't really like a message geared towards salvation, but man, Jesus wants some new people on his team today, amen? Right, yeah. Just maybe. Anywhere to my far left over there, you raise your hand and say, I'm not on Jesus' team, and today I'm going to get on Christ's team, anybody? Anybody to my far right? See too good, hear too good. But other than that, I love the Lord. Anybody here? Okay, you know what, in this area here? Anybody with a lion jersey on, you just want to repent? Come on up here. Anybody in the center? So we're all on Christ's team. I mean, now we got to all get in the game. Pastor Angelo doesn't need you. Jesus wants you. That's what it's really about. Jesus wants you on his team. Out in the commons, there's some cards that say life team on it. Uh, a little QR code. Get that bad boy. It'll take you right to an application or whatever. It's important. This isn't just a message to get you on the team. This is a message to get you on the winning team. Because we need you. Kingdom of God needs you. Psalter's going to be open. We're going to go after Jesus for a little bit. We just want to go after this incredible God who wins. To my right, no one will pray for you. No one will bother you. To my left, you say, I need some prayer. I need some direction on what team to get on. Uh, it may not have anything to do with that. It may just, you might need some healing. You might need to be encouraged. To my left, and the prayer team and other teams will be here to pray for you. Father, help us today to realize that you have won the victory and you're asking us to get on the winning team. Help us to believe that you've called us to be winners, not losers. And ultimately, your church is going to win this thing. And you're looking for more teammates, more souls, more soldiers, and more servants. Put this message in your hands, asking you to do something incredible. In Christ's name we pray. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.